0: This is Unstable Topics.
1: What's up everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV.
0: We'll sing your songs
2: for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong. We'll to step
0: a new step. It won't be long when the Dixie lands are playing. Soon you'll be swaying. So come on, sing along.
3: in Vietnam and welcome to the podcast before my time. I am your host, Kelsey Laurie, and there was a reason for that obnoxious intro. Today we are doing the soundtrack to Vietnam, the music of the war era that defined a generation. I'm excited for this one. I love this music. Let's just rock and roll right in.
2: All right, well, Gelsey, this was definitely on the original long list that you sent me of topics you wanted to cover. And I think I'm saying this right. It was the music of Vietnam was the main the thing.
3: Soundtrack. You were, the, the soundtrack. The soundtrack of Vietnam. Of Vietnam. Okay. I, sp- I have it so depictly in my head that way. And actually, there's a book that I really want to read now called We Gotta Get Out of This Place, The Soundtrack to Vietnam. And a lot of the research I did came from this book and a lot of the quotes and, and I found. So it's it's one I definitely want to read. And I haven't even read it. And I'm already recommending it to all of you listeners because it has some gold in there. So soundtrack to Nam. Uh, That was a quick question. Am I allowed to call it NOM? I don't know. Even though I didn't serve, or is that like a vet-only kind of thing? I've heard that in a movie once, and I was like, can I? Is that? (laughs) I don't uh I don't want to show disrespect or anything.
2: Let's let's play it safe. We'll just stick with Vietnam to, to show respect to the people who serve. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> so this is not an episode on the actual war itself, but I did want to give a tiny little rundown for those of you who have no idea what Vietnam was all about. I've done a lot of research and reading and learning, and I still am kind of like, wait, what? But it went from November 1955 to 1975, and it was between South and North Vietnam. Uh, Long story short, it's a fight for communism and a fight to protect against communism. So that's where we go. It started way before the war actually started into the 40s. It kind of goes in from World War II into the Cold War, mixes in, blah, blah, blah. The US, um, in 1955, President Eisenhower pledged his support to South Vietnam. There were 800 troops in the 50s from the US and about 9,000 troops by 1962, sent by Kennedy under the domino theory. The domino theory was that if one country in Southeast Asia and Asia altogether falls to communism, that it will be the domino effect, that they will all fall to communism. And there is nothing the U.S. hated more than communism. Nope. <laughs> still, we are still on that. So Kennedy is assassinated in 1963, and Johnson steps up as president and increases the U.S. military support. By uh, In 1965, we have the Operation Rolling Thunder, which um, was sustained bombing that continues the next three years. Basically, this war is going crazy. The U.S. is just going in more, more, and more. By 1966, protests begin to rise. So we had a weird Johnson, uh, President Johnson promised that we are not about to send American boys nine or 10,000 miles away from home to do what Asian boys ought to be doing for themselves. That was a quote. I believe that was at an Ohio conference. And then in July 1965, he announced the draft would increase from 17000 to 35000 monthly. So peeps are getting pissed. They're like, what the hell? You pro- we voted for you for peace, for we're not going to go fight that war. And then he turns around and ups the draft. So music. Already at this time, we have a huge music shift in the culture. I mean, we're going from the early 60s into the early 70s. I don't think there's more of a bigger transitional music phase in any decade than that. From mm. pop, Motown, rock, I mean we are pushing boundaries. You know, this is when Sgt. Pepper comes out. This is when Motown really hits its peak. This is when, you know, we're right when we're about to hit the disco era of beats and it just I don't think there's been that much of a change in that short of time in any music
2: history. I I would say that it's the 60s And I also think the 90s, they are the two decades where the music changed very dramatically almost overnight. And I think that the other thing that the sixties and nineties tend to have in common, which you don't see very often is that it's one of the only times where I think the most critically praised pop culture, be it film or um, music or whatever was also the most profitable. You know what I mean? Like usually the stuff that the critics like is like, the antithesis of what is like selling well, except for those mm-hmm. two decades, it's like they were praising grunge and grunge was the best selling music. And it's like critics mm-hmm. and everyone were all in on these like Creedence Clearwater revivals, as well as like the hippie music of Woodstock that you imagine. I mean, I guess that's the, when I, when you think of the sixties and the soundtrack to Vietnam, It's funny because there are two very distinct sounds like (laughs) I don't know why, but it's like when I think of the sound of the 60s, right? I think of those commercials that used to come on late night TV.
3: Oh, yeah. I had one of those CDs.
2: And the song that kicks into my head immediately is like, to everything, turn, turn. Like, that's like the song that I think of. But then I think of like Credence at the same time. <laughs> yeah, CCR
3: is definitely arguably the number one anthem of Vietnam. And we'll get into that because I picked a handful of songs and really went into each song um, research-wise. And I'm going in chronological of the song's releases here. And they... I expected it to all be kind of some CCR Hendrix, but there's a lot of Motown, even Sinatra that gets in there. And it was really interesting how it wasn't just one style and even genre that really defined this decade and this feeling that was going on in the country both in the country and in Vietnam. So it was such a huge impact on both sides. I, you know, Music helped fuel and voice the protest against the war, and it amplified the sadness and sorrows of those leaving and the families praying for their boys to come home. And it brought camaraderie to the troops and the hope of getting back home. And so I think it even helped some people bring themselves back into re- reality and real lives when they came back. I read a lot of stories from vets that when they came back, obviously that transition was very difficult after everything they just experienced and saw. And music was something that they therapeutically held on to to kind of help them heal and get past it. And even to this day, these songs, you know, if you talk to any vet and you bring up these songs and some of these lyrics, it can bring them to tears. And music is everything. It is the universal language of medicine, aside from comedy. I think comedy is the number one medicine. But anyways, so the first song I want to start with um, was released in 1966. A, a few of these kind of have the, um, and I'll see what your take is, have the competition of what's like the number one song of Vietnam. And there's, you know, people obviously have their opinions. But um, the first one we're going to start is For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springs. I
2: think that that is a great first one. It's a beautiful song. It's a song that's kind of persistent for decades after its release. It's been sampled in rap songs.
3: Kind of going into the hippie psychedelic, yeah. you know, It's starting to push those. And it's actually, um, and a lot of people think it is written about Vietnam and kind of an anti-war song. And it's not. It was written about the Sunstrip curfew riots in LA that happened in November of 66. And that's when around that time, you know, Whiskey at Go-Go and all these clubs were starting to have a huge rise. And there was a lot of teenagers out and about and the high-end business owners and high-class of that area were like, we don't like these shenanigans. So there was a 10 PM curfew set on 18 and younger. And so there was a giant teenage riot that happened and a lot of policemen were like beating the shit out of teenagers. And it was quite a extreme night. So that song was written about that. Um, the band Buffalo Springfield is yeah. Stephen Stills, who's later in Crosby, Stills and Nash, and of course, Neil Young. You know, it's really written for the youth on the front line. So even though it is the, the youth of the front line of these riots, it still translated so much to the youth of the front line in Vietnam, 18-year-old Bill Earhart in 1967. He heard the song before and I quote, leaving for Nam, I vividly remember saying, wow, what a cool song. 13 months later, he returned from Vietnam. Within a few months of my arrival in Vietnam, I had realized I don't know what's happening here, but it sure as heck isn't what Lyndon Johnson and my high school teachers told me what was going on. So we have the lyric there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I got to beware. And he said, I realized hearing that song again, oh, wait a minute. I was the guy with the gun over there and I'm the bad guy. So it's kind of the first time, you know, he's realizing, I love what he said about it's not what we were being told at home what the war was because in the beginning, I think a lot of people back in the US, I mean, they were being told one thing and then the soldiers are getting sent out to Vietnam and they're like, holy shit, this is not what I thought this was. And and like he said, he even realized that he was the bad guy. It's just that kind of brought up the protest and rise of like, we shouldn't be there. Are we doing the right thing? And that's a whole nother thing. subject.
2: So let me throw I know you've got your list out there. I want to throw out another one that I think is maybe not as well known and remembered as that one, but I think is also a huge to me when I think of Vietnam songs, it's one of the songs that pops up in my head is um, Barry Maguire Eve of Destruction. Was that on your list at all?
3: No, it's not.
2: Okay, so it's not the most well known song by name, but if you heard it, you may Mm. remember it. It's a very strange, strange one hit wonder song, but for whatever reason, that song is always stuck in my mind as like one of the songs of Vietnam. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I mean, this is, I have, you know, a small collection here compared to the hundreds of thousands thousands of songs. Thousands of songs that we could be looking at during that time. You know, it's, but I just kind of picked up um, and this was a cool thing. There was a top 10 list and I picked a lot of songs from there from the book I mentioned before written by Doug Bradley and and Craig Werner um, was who wrote the book. We got to get out of this place, but they created a list of the top 10 songs that were the most commonly referred to of all the vets that they interviewed. So I thought that was a really cool place also to to reach. Which, I like Which um, brings me to my next song. Yeah, it kind of makes it more like common ground. This was a really fun one that I wasn't originally expecting. I knew it was a song of the times, but Boots Are Made for Walking, 1966 by Nancy Sinatra. At the time, Nancy Sinatra was definitely a pinup girl of that era that a lot of the soldiers you know, had. She was the new hot, sexy thing. But it became an anthem to soldiers because they were rarely out of their boots. And they were walking, you know, and they would trek for really long. And so these boots are made for walking and that's just what they'll do. Um, it really, it really struck a chord with them. And Nancy Sinatra actually performed in Vietnam for the troops in 1967. She did a tour there and it changed her life and she forever became an advocate for Vietnam veterans and has performed at many big organizations and events that are for them. So that was a really cool thing I think that, you know, she was very involved in that way. So, yay Nancy. And I love that song. The next one, I love this song. It's a more kind of simple one. It's another, you know, a lot of these songs weren't directly written about the war, but they became interpreted that way is The Letter by The Box Tops in 1967. And the very first lyric, give me a ticket to an airplane. Ain't got time for the task train. Lonely days are gone. I'm a going home. My baby just a wrote me a letter. So obviously, give me a ticket to an airplane. It's, you know, everyone wants to go home. That's in Vietnam. So it's just that, that longing. They can all relate to get me on an airplane. And a lot of them were holding on from letters from their loved ones. You know, that was the little bit of hope that was getting them by was, was those letters. And so, you know, got a letter from my baby. It just makes them want to go home more. And, you know, that's a more, that's about it. It's pretty... Pretty straightforward, but um, here's... Okay, the next one, 1967. Now, this is a very obvious one. Feel Like I'm fixing to Die, Rag by Country Joe and the Fish.
2: I love this song so much.
3: I do, too. And it's a direct protest song. I mean, there's no interpretation, and it's such a great song.
2: This was... I'm trying to... Because there's a bit of an age gap between the two of us, and I feel like I'm going to avoid getting too political... Uh, cause that's kind of not what As our we, show is yeah, about. I don't yes. like to do that.
0: No, no, no.
2: But I think the big thing with me and sixties Vietnam protest stuff and, and a lot of it is, is tied to high school for me. And mm-hmm. you have to remember that for me, I experienced September 11th from my classroom, sophomore year. And mm-hmm. That was one of the only times I can think of where there was rumblings at the time. And it could have just been rumors that the draft was going to come back.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I actually have a note about nine eleven that one of yeah. these songs <laughs> recycled through there.
2: And for a lot of, I was definitely, as much as I was a punk rocker, I was definitely a hippie as well. And like the group of kids that I was very like tied to that peace, love, hippie mythos, like, that really brought the 60s music back into my world because it was mm-hmm. crazy to me to be sitting there afraid of what was going to happen and what was that going to mean for me who was just a year away from turning 18.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the closest thing in our lifetime that we've had. To that um, p- potentially you know, happening. and and Thankfully, but not thankfully it happened, but thankfully that's the only time is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, no. And that <laughs> was kind that of like. like that started... Me getting into this music, and I remember that that was the first time I really got into country Joe. And the thing that was interesting at that time was that the songs still hit; they still felt relevant. I think a lot of these songs mm-hmm. still feel relevant all these From years lot, later. I,
3: I was listening <laughs> to all these songs, just I know them all very well, but yeah. I was like playing them as I was doing my notes, and I was like, "God, these are all still great." It's funny you said this reminds you of high school because I actually wrote a paper on this song in high school literature class. We were doing satires. And had to, you know, find poems or something that we could write one on. And I was like, I've got the perfect song to write a paper on. So, yeah, I wrote a paper about this in high school. I
2: 100% covered this song during high school. Because, again, like I said, I was a punk rocker, but I was also a hippie. And it Some felt of like- us
3: are being studious and writing <laughs> essays on it. Not no, just covering, I'm, but, I'm um, like
2: going to the school, school coffee house. And it's like, here's a song by Country Joe and the Fish about a situation that we're going through right now, and then I just start playing it. I obviously didn't do the fuck chant at the start, but... <laughs> no, which, if
3: anyone doesn't know, um, he does do a fuck chant in the beginning, where, give me an F, give me a U, give me a C, give me a K. Um, and he famously performed this song at Woodstock. So if you haven't heard this song or seen it, um, I highly recommend tubing a video clip from Woodstock, because that really was, you
2: know... One that is of the performance. Of, yeah,
3: he was a Navy veteran, and he would always say, I'm a veteran first and a hippie second. And even though this is, you know, considered a high protest song, he said it is not to be recalled as a pacifist song, but as a soldier song. He says, it's a military humor that only a soldier could get away with. It comes out of a tradition of GI humor in which people can bitch in a way that will not get them into trouble, but keeps them from insanity. So that's kind of where he was coming from when he wrote this song. And I mean, one of my favorite, most morbid lines of the song is the very end where he says an excuse if I butcher this. Well, come on mothers throughout this land, pack your boys off to Vietnam. Come on pops, don't hesitate, send them off before it's too late. Be the first one on your block to have your boy come home in a box. Yeah. Oof. Oof, that that hits. That hits deep. That's like ouch. But so that's an incredible song. And the same year, this is what I loved about doing all this is is again the genre mix. You know, that's going to kind of be more of a folk song which obviously there's tons of Bob Dylan songs that come out in this time that are anti-war kind of folk and but the next one 1967 that was high on the list is Chain of Fools by Aretha Franklin.
2: You know, I as you started listening songs I searched soundtrack of Vietnam and I saw that come up and I was hoping you would mention Chain of Fools cuz yeah. I'm very curious. Please tell me about how Chain of Fools became a song a soundtrack to Vietnam.
3: So obviously originally it's not written about Vietnam. Um you know it's about being treated wrong and made to be a fool in a line of meaningless relationships. And it took on a special meaning in the anti-war movement mainly with the African American service members who transformed it into an angry rejection of the chain of command. So it kind of got switched into more of a Chain of Fools with what they were having to deal with. There's a book called Battle Notes, The Music of Vietnam by Lee Anderson. And he said, and I quote, Franklin Fodley recalls how Vietnam vets have expressed their gratitude of how her music helped them cope with the stress of the war. war." An African-American soldier, David Brown, recalled first learning of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. when he was in Vietnam. And listening to the song was the only thing that stopped him from, and I quote, killing the first honky I met. I thought, that's my story. That's the chain and it's going to break. And so I thought that was really powerful too that you know that's another thing there's obviously not just this war going on and the protests that are going on at home which are just about breaking out in this time this is 1967 so we're starting to get a lot more of that rise but we also have the racial war going on and the indecency there and really shitty actually you know we're still dealing with segregation racism and black soldiers created 23% of the combat troops in Vietnam. And they only at that time were roughly about 11% of our population in the U.S.,
0: This is Unstable Topics.
3: So that is highly not balanced. And it's because they were sending over more people from lower class population and areas because people that had more money got out of the draft, which we will return to that because that is the theme of one of our songs here. You have... A huge percentage of African-American soldiers fighting a war that they probably don't even, you know, most people didn't even want to fight this war. And they're dealing with segregation problems, not only at home, but there was a lot of that still within camps. You know, they'd be fighting next to someone on the front line and they all depended on each other. But it was said when they go back to camps, you know, there were a lot of stories where there was still high levels of segregation and racism. And now you learn, you know, you're over there, you learn that Martin Luther King dies. How do you take that all in? I mean, it's all so traumatic and now you're putting it all in one. And it's amazing to read a quote like that, that a song can be what gets this soldier through from not just killing the next white guy because he's so angry, but being like, this is my story and I'm going to channel it through this music. And you know, Aretha got through got them through it. And that's again, it's just I can't applaud enough how much music and these artists really affect and change people's lives.
2: Music truly is something that you and I have talked about, and it's something that I we've we've mentioned Mel Brooks a million times. And I always think about the brilliance of Mel Brooks in History of the World Part One casting himself as a philosopher, but doing it as a stand-up routine. And like Mm -hmm. what that says about like modern day comedy and how comedians are the modern day philosophers. And I and I really do think that, you know, musicians in that sense, then like they are continuing the tradition of like the bard from all the way back in like (laughs) royal king times, you know, like the the bard a lot of the time was one of the only people that could get away with talking about the king.
3: Yeah. It's really interesting to look at, you know, songs during war times in our U.S. history, um, which this would be a great episode, we should do one time, is kind of that theme. But, you know, you look back at World War II when big bands are coming out, which is personally my favorite era, you know, all the songs are much more like yeah. help, supporting the war. Yeah. And die, die a ribbon round the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it's like, over there, over there. You know, and it's it everyone's very supportive and yay military and we're doing you know what's patriotic and it's it's very celebrated and and now we go into a war where it, the Vietnam war was the first time i think that publicly our society questioned government and really was like, wait a minute, is right. this like, why are we fighting this war? You're killing our boys. And it was questioned why we were there. And if that was even like the right choice, and, which.
2: And if I recall correctly, it's also the first televised war, right? It's the first time that we really yeah, saw so- what war was as opposed to like yeah. the movie version of it where it's just like a bunch of good old boys exactly. hanging out old, the day, glorified like,
3: stories we're getting
2: yeah
3: exactly and i think they wanted to paint that picture and it's you know like buy bonds for the war and they show a yeah. little like reenactment of like look how honorable it is and now we're getting actual tv yeah footage and it's like wait a minute like this is you know not and if, if you haven't watched the ken ken burns documentary um called the vietnam war it's a 10 part 18 hour series. I think it's on Amazon prime. It's incredible. I cried so much watching it. And it's, I obviously, you know, you learn about the Vietnam war in school and through textbooks, but it I didn't really understand it until I watched this full 10 part series where it was, you know, you get every side of it and the real, the history of it. And yeah, I, I highly encourage you to watch it. But our next song is another one of those. Not, I, I was shocked by this one and it was really interesting reading, but we are in 1968 now and it's sitting on the dock of the bay by Otis Redding.
2: That was the and other one that I saw on this list that I wanted to ask you about. What, so, so What glad. a great,
3: <laughs> what a great song. Just start with what a beautiful song, but, um, Unfortunately, it was recorded right before he was killed in a plane crash, December 10th, 1967. He was supposed to perform or agreed to actually go to Vietnam and perform, but he never made it. Some people say that that song is kind of written about the war and there's kind of this like, we'll never know because he's not around to talk about it. But it captures, you know, that lonely, sad, melancholy tone that a lot of people were relating to and obviously the soldiers were and it's you know leaving home I left my home in Georgia's is, is one of the headed for the Frisco Bay which a lot of soldiers were sent to San Francisco to then ship out so kind of related there and um you know the lyric the loneliness won't leave me alone because I've had nothing to live for and it looks like nothing's coming my way I mean you can't hit a chord harder with a lyric like that than than anyone overseas, or even anyone that feels hopeless that was still back in the US, you know, just with loneliness and fear and n- nothing's I don't have anything to live for. And this kind of, you know, so I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay. And it's also, I think, a good song for people to they'd rather just a simple life the just sit and watch and the tides roll in. It's, it's that longing for that as well. So that was a highly recognized song with a lot of with a lot of it. Ed- it's there. So we go to 1968. Now, this is going to be a more obvious one. Now we're moving into the Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. Yes. There were quite a few Hendrix songs that came up in all. There was one quite quote and this actually is a quote from the book i mentioned and this is from craig werner said this but he said hendrix was the prophet or the high priest probably the most frequently mentioned musician though it wasn't one particular song we heard about purple haze all along the watchtower hey joe and the woodstock star spangled banner the most important thing was that if you listen to his guitar it sounded like helicopters and explosions and i think that's um i obviously picked all along the watchtower Which originally was recorded by Bob Dylan, nineteen sixty seven, but popularized by Hendrix. To me, that listening to that song is just that makes me think of the Vietnam era and war because it does. His his guitar really almost sounds like a war zone, and it has obviously Hendrix is amazing, but it it's the first time we're getting this kind of raw rock and roll guitar sound that we hadn't heard before in music at all. You know, let alone now it's kind of capturing the essence. And Bob Dylan, he wrote it more against um, companies. CBS, he had some frustrations with management. So that's more where that song came from originally. But Bob Dylan did love the way Hendrix covered it. And in the future, Dylan actually kind of did it more Hendrix style in mm. in the future performances. But Purple Haze is a very high up there as well. But I just think Hendrix as a whole is one that constantly mentioned. And yeah. um,
2: and it's I think it's in Forrest Gump. I could be wrong with the movie. But it's, I definitely feel like when I hear that guitar part, I always think of like a panning shot of people in Vietnam. <laughs> like, I feel like that is used in that movie to that effect. It, it does have that sound. That
3: first lick, that pound, 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 pound. You just yeah. expect to like be a pan of of palm trees and explosions. Oh, and then when like, the guitar really starts see. kicking
2: in the, yeah. with the dude. Yeah. I mean, even. The singing on it is great, but even that song, if it was just an instrumental song, it would have been The Sound of Vietnam. It's like you said, the music sounds like a war zone as you're listening.
3: It to does. It. I mean, and the very first lyric is, there must be some kind of way out of here. I mean, yeah. that couldn't be any more... Like, what everyone's feeling is thinking. <laughs> Only so. be
2: describing Vietnam or possibly CBS. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's no in between. There, he did say there's a quote here that the song features a standoff between the Joker and the thief with the Joker complaining of businessmen who drink his wine feeding off of him but refuse to give him his dues. So that's kind of where the the business side of it comes in. But you know, that's also a very translated feeling I feel like towards the war and the government and the chain of commands blah blah blah, but you get it. Okay, I'm rushing to get to the next song cuz this okay. might be one of my all-time favorite songs in life, but also is another contender for the number one top song that wraps up all of vietnam and it is 1969 credence clearwater's fortunate son i knew you would, and that uh, is another you, you uh, knew it was gonna be to other but now that just immediately is like you another one you just see helicopters pan in and they like, had a you couple not,
2: though because i even think like, run through the jungle is a big well, one that's like, on my yeah. list too
3: As kind of yeah run through the jungle is i mean it legitimately is written about if if you read the lyrics to run through the jungle which i will in a moment um it's another one of those, like they're not talking about anything but
2: yeah. about Vietnam.
3: And they're just oh they're so good. Um, I even got, Bad Moon Rising is
2: I, I got so into CCR in high school. Like I, I was just me too. I the, love them. They're and they're like one of those ones where it's like, God, they even have those ballads. Like, Have You Ever Seen Ooh. The Rain is a great one. But oh, but so in good. a similar vein. As long as I can see the light, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's so
3: good. There, I know I could go off on CCR. This is just a fun fact. Fortunate Sun is one of my top go to karaoke songs. So if you're oh. ever at a karaoke bar and see me there, buy me a shot and I'll do
2: it. There's a ton of these artists that could have their own solo episode on Before My Time, but I think CCR is the top of that list. Like, yeah, I'll make a note of that. There's so much um, to unpack just about that band.
3: This song, um, Fortunate Sun, is obviously a direct anti-war song but it's not it's not actually against war it's against more the draft and the class system that was going on so the draft is heavily up now it's 1969 you know we're we're going in i think the lottery started in 1969 this was an attention to the inequality of the draft system So, the drummer Doug Clifford said, Fortunate Son is really not an anti war song. It's about the class and who did the dirty work. A soldier who served in the American Division, Peter Bukowski, he served from 68 to 69, said, Credence Clearwater summed up the music of the war. And he said two words Credence Clearwater. They were the only thing that everybody agreed on. Didn't matter who you were, black, white, everyone. We heard that music and it brought a smile to your face. So, I thought that was kind of a Cool, you know, talking about CCR being just the title is that back to the camaraderie where that can be the common ground and be it again not doesn't matter your race or this that. But there was a huge inequality though with the drafting going on, and it's you know people could kind of pay their way out. There was this lottery system, but it they it was quote unquote randomized, but it it didn't really seem to be And more people from lower class and poor neighborhoods were being sent out. Whereas Senator's son, which the song directly says, you know, I ain't no Senator's son, son, and, uh, it ain't me. I ain't no fortunate one. All these people are not, actually going to the dirty work you know they're patriotic the first verse is about everyone you know the high class can be very patriotic when they sing the red white and blue but when it's time to come the cannons they're pointing at you lord they're like nope yeah. uh, you can go fight the war for me so it was really a pushback on that and yeah just such a good fucking song so the next two i actually didn't Write much about? I just kind of because they're very obvious. So we have uh, 1969. John Lennon comes out with "Give Peace a Chance," mm-hmm. which became a huge protest anthem. I believe that they all, as a huge crowd, saying that at, in D.C. at a, the giant protest. And it, it, it's very plain and obvious. You know, all we are saying is "Give Peace a Chance." Yeah. Then the Rolling Stones and same year 1969 come out with "Gimme Shelter," which I think is one of the all-time best songs. In a, oh, it's such a good song. But, you know, so now we're getting just the more heavy war children's just a shot away kind of war songs. It's it's a dark time. Again, we're getting the televised um, version of a war, which, like you said, is the first time. We also still are dealing with racial wars at home. We're dealing with our protests. 69 began the draft lottery. Um, and then 70 was the Kent State University protest. And four students were killed and eight wounded. Yeah. So that was... Um, the year after this, but still we're starting to get into the violent protests as well, where, you know, you have the hippies coming forward with their message of just peace, man, and it's being retaliated with violence. So yeah. that's fun then run through the jungle which we already mentioned is 1970 i don't want to give too much back into ccr because well, here we it's are a, it's
2: a pit we can't but, get out of
3: <laughs> i know but like the first line again is whoa thought it was a nightmare lord it was true they told me don't go walking slow the devil's on the loose run through the jungle you know it's again it's 200 million guns are loaded satan cries take aim better run through the jungle i'm reading it like a poem reading like a beatnik I, in I, I the late it. i 60s love it Club. And I'm like, snap, yep. (laughs) So now we hit 1970 and Ball of Confusion by The Temptations is released, which is a great song. So we're starting to get, obviously I've had some more soul and Motown songs on this list, but here is a direct song out of Motown that is clearly (laughs) a song about what's going on. Now The Temptations in Ball of Confusion, they don't really take a clear stance on things. They're just more saying, you know, and this kind of also does cover every topic of what's going on in society. You know, it's this ball of confusion of the war that's going on, the protests, and the racial injustice that's being done. You know, they mention... Evolution, revolution, gun control, sound of soul, shooting rockets to the moon, kids growing up too soon, politicians say more taxes will solve everything. You know, there's, you know, obviously there's the space race, this, that. So they're kind of mentioning everything. It's a great song if you haven't heard it or haven't heard it in a while. I really like it. But they did want to stick to kind of a not too big of a stance on it because they didn't want to alienate their more conservative fans. And that brings me to the next song, which is War, 1970 by Edwin Starr. I was hoping we'd get Mm -hmm. there. That was originally recorded by The Temptations. So they recorded it first, and then it was never released. They decided to hold that and give it to Edwin Starr because Motown didn't want The Temptations to have a song that took too heavy of a stance because a lot of their conservative followings
2: kind of makes sense. I could hear that being a temptation song.
3: Yeah. Couldn't I would probably not be quite the punch. We get it now, um, which I absolutely love this song. I adore it so much, but
2: so much of that song is also Edwin Starr's like improvs and ad libs all over that song too. Like just the, the yes. God, like, yeah. like, it's like, that's what makes that song. Yeah, <laughs>
3: it is so good. Right? Absolutely. And it's, it's the song that brought him to the charts. I mean, it hit number one on the billboard hop, 100. So this was really what put him on the map for his career. So I think it was all in all a good thing. But this is the most popular protest song ever. Really? And- yeah, that's it's. I'm not sure who claimed that title, but that is what the World Wide Web says. And huh. it actually got put kind of coming back to your 9 11. They got put on a no playlist by Clear Channel. Clear Channel oversaw like the majority of radio stations and they made a no playlist of, I think, like 161 songs it was a lot after 9 11. And it was like, yeah, abs- some of
2: them were absurd. It was like no songs that silly. had to plane in it and stuff. like Yeah, it was like- it's a
3: little silly that now, and I don't know if it's it's been withdrawn from that list or if that list is now obsolete. But um, thinking about it, I rarely hear that song on the radio. And I listen to all oldie stations. So I listen to stations that it should be played on. Yeah. So I ended with that song because I think that's another great, you know, 1970, we, the US withdrew in 1973. So we still have three more years, but most of the songs were kind of from 66 to 70, were the, the top Vietnam songs. And Unfortunately, our peak of men in Vietnam was 550,000. So a little over half a million soldiers. And our casualties were over 58,000. And being the morbid person I am, I looked up and that we, the Vietnam War is the fourth runner in the most casualties in war for the US.
2: There's only one song that you didn't name that I think should have been on that okay. list. Okay. Get Together by The Young Bloods was the big one that I was thinking of. The Come On People Now, Smile on Your Brother oh, Everybody yeah. Get Together. There's so
3: many yeah. There's so many great places. I just realized I didn't like my number one song which this is another contender for the number one song. I think because it was like the title on my page.
2: Oh, we got to get out of this place by the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we should address the animals real quick. Yeah, uh, we but gotta that's get out this place. One. Yeah, nineteen sixty-five.
3: Of course, the number one, and this would should have been the start of it. My bad. Um, but we'll end with it. That's kind of fun. Is yeah, we got to get out of this place by the animals from nineteen sixty-five. Obviously, since it's sixty-five, it was not written about the Vietnam War. It's written about, you know, two young lovers kind of a thing and I've actually listened to a really interesting I, it was a while ago podcast episode on film music and film noir and the f- theme of film noir in Uh, modern music and we got to get out of this place was one of the songs that they were like you can't get more film noir than this because the concept of a film noir is kind of being trapped it's normally set in a small town and people like we got to get out of here this place isn't doing me good anymore kind of a vibe if you will and this song really captures it so clearly the lyrics we gotta get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do couldn't summarize being in Vietnam anymore. I mean, hello. So that is why also the book that I highly recommend is called We Gotta Get Out of This Place. Again, that time of music, we've got huge breakthroughs coming in. We have the Beatles doing Sgt. Peppers in 1967, and they follow it up in 1968 with the White Album. And those both were huge controversial breakthroughs in music, you know, things with guitars, you have helter skelter and sounds that hadn't been heard before. Motown's growing from the early 60s to the late 60s and early 70s. I mean, they just like blow up and we have a psychedelic sound coming in with Hendrix, Jefferson Airplane, Pink Floyd. So, there's a lot of really new things already happening in music alone. And then you mix the weather of the politics and social everything that's going on and you get the soundtrack to Nam. I think this arguably could be some of the best music because of that perfect cocktail. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting hearing all the songs that, you know, really struck a chord with the veterans and soldiers that were overseas that weren't necessarily written about the war. Yeah, that was a good
2: episode. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, episode. I feel like
3: I feel like I'm out of breath. I feel like yeah, I just took I think- one big inhale and was like bah! Of the songs that we kind of talked about, or ones that we didn't, and I think you kind of already said this, but what would be your favorite, what do you think is like your, like number one when you think Vietnam War,
2: what is the song that you think of? Like I said, it's the two different pieces, because I think of the hippies- I, when I think of hippies, I think of that turn, turn, turn song because of those stupid commercials as a kid. But I, I think I think you're right. I think fortunate son is is the yeah. one that like I just jumps to my mind. When I think about it. How about you? Is that, is that the same for you? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's Fortunate Son. Like, it's just, again, you hear that first, and I can't not, like, hear, like, duh,
2: duh, 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 and duh, duh, voice choppers. is so, oh, it's just so, and so... And they so, have,
3: that's the thing, they have that raw sound.
2: That's why I think this song stands out so much, is that it, mm-hmm. of all of the songs, it has that, like, that raw energy and that urgency in it, more than mm-hmm. almost anything else that we've listed. Even though they're all great songs in their own right
3: i definitely agree oh they're all so good i know i actually made these all into a playlist on my itunes and i was like i (laughs) I think i'm gonna be making a spotify playlist tonight (laughs) doing the same so good
1: So,
2: Kelsey, let me ask you a question. My favorite part of the episode. I love this, because I'm I'm almost always coming up with it on the fly, which is fun. (laughs) You start off this episode with a reference to Good Morning Vietnam. During the episode, we talked about Forrest Gump. So my question is, what is the best movie to capture the sounds of the 60s? Tropic Thunder. No, I'm joking. <laughs> really?
3: No, I'm totally joking. <laughs> Actually, they do have some, they have a great soundtrack and they do have a lot of these songs on their soundtrack, so kind of. But oh, that's a really good, Um, I would say, Um, was it Full Metal Jacket? It has a really great soundtrack. Yeah, I remember my mom went to a dance studio and she always had like the CDs hanging on the wall and she always had that one on. And I did a dance to Boots Are Made For Walking when I was like six. So I always remember being like, that's the CD that has our song on it. And then, yeah, Forrest Gump just, I'm always drawn to Forrest Gump As a movie, I mean, for obvious reasons of capturing an entire, you know, couple decades of pop culture, but the music, that soundtrack is just
2: gold. I mean, Forrest Gump had that double disc, just like the greatest songs of the (laughs) sixties.
3: Forrest Gump is a movie that, like, if and if I'm ever watching real TV with a guide, not like streaming, and if Forrest Gump is on TV, I have to watch it. Like, it's a rule. It doesn't matter what else is on. You stop looking and you watch Forrest Gump. When Forrest Gump's on, you watch it. Yeah, it's. So and it's good. definitely
2: it's a good comfort uh, comfort film for sure. Oh yeah! Where can people go to find out more about our show and when episodes drop and all that other good jazz?
3: Absolutely, they can just shimmy on over to Instagram and find us at Before My Time underscore
2: podcast
3: send us a DM, say what's up. We'll post some fun shit on the story, let you know what's going on. Head over to Facebook and just search before my time will pop up. Join the community of like-minded people who like things before their time. Share some Fun stuff. My friend Aaron, I'm going to give you a shout out. He's been posting some really fun vintage commercials and I'm so appreciative of it. I love it. So come join, see what it's all about. Um, we'll, We'll drop some info there as well when things are coming up. And you obviously found this podcast. So you know that we are on all major platforms where podcasts are available. But before you close it out, give us a five-star review. Like, be a cool person and say, hey, five stars, because that really helps us out, makes our hearts smile, and makes us love you. We already love you. You're listening. We love you. We really appreciate your support. And, yeah,
2: tune in for some more. Yep. We'll be back next week with even more Before My Time.
0: to the geekscape network. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie.